1: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: It's time to play full time fantasy. Full time fantasy.
2: It is full time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis, solo today. Here for two hours, taking you up until 4 p.m. Eastern, as we do each and every weekday. And you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis, on the gram at Aaron88. And you can check out all my work at FullTimeFantasy.com. We'll have my StockWatch article looking at fantasy baseball players whose stock is up and whose stock is down. And what should you do with them? You know, sometimes just because a player's stock is up doesn't mean it's good. Could be mean time to sell. And just because someone's stock is low doesn't mean it's time to give up. Maybe it's a good opportunity to buy on them. And especially, there's a lot of starting pitchers that have been uh, not producing so far. And maybe this is an opportunity to go get them at a low price. So you can check out that article. Should be up uh, sometime today, very shortly, I would think. Uh, We also have a ton of football content. You know, we are getting closer to the football season. You know, it's Memorial Day weekend approaching. So before you know it, you're going to start to get invitations for your drafts. And obviously a lot of you listening are very hardcore and are already going to start to do some best ball drafts. So it's important that you really get caught up on all the offseason moves and understand what these teams are doing. And we have in-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the best high stakes players around. His latest is a look at the Houston Texans. Certainly an interesting team from a fantasy perspective this year. So you could check that out. He also has a look at the AFC East uh, and the AFC North. Those teams are done. So he's going through the divisions, and Houston Texans are the latest one. Uh, we also got three fantasy football sleepers from Scott Atkins. You could check that out. Uh, and Dr. Otto looks at the Baltimore Ravens ch- uh, training camp questions as well. And of course, our fantasy baseball closure depth chart and bullpen updates and the closer report from Sean Child. So, tons of content up there right now. And if you've got any specific question related to your team, you can always ask it on the message boards in the forums, of course. Also, DFS. We got you covered there at slash DFS for uh, fantasy baseball. Where it's mostly an afternoon slate today, a lot of afternoon baseball, not much going on at night, which is good if you, uh, for me at least, because I just want to sit back, concentrate, and focus on the Bucks and Raptors in a big game five tonight in Milwaukee as that series is tied at two. Uh, you can also head on over to playffwc.com. Remember, May Madness. It's getting late. Uh, all you got to do is put down your deposit, of two hundred bucks for your World Championship League in Vegas or online league. And then you'll be entered into a drawing where the winner gets a free main event uh, for worth $1,795. Uh, Going to be out in Vegas at the Palms first weekend of the NFL season. So if you haven't been in there, come join us. It's a ton of fun. I look forward to it. One of my favorite events of the year. So I'll be out there. We can hang out, draft, drink, watch football. It's always a good time. Uh, and again, we got a different drafts here. Uh, that you can join, slow drafts, uh, drafts uh, all at once. we got a Dynasty startup beginning on Saturday at 9 a.m. It's a 6-hour clock, 4 spots left in an online championship slow draft with a 6-hour clock, 5 spots left in a draft and go, slow basketball draft, 4-hour clock, 28 rounds. So different price points, different uh, slow draft clocks. we got 1-hour clock, 3-hour clock, 6-hour clock, 4-hour clock. So you just go. Whatever you like to do. Some people get very impatient. Even I've seen it. Even in the two-hour clocks, people complain when someone takes time. So a lot of impatience out there. But just understand when you're doing a slow draft, it's going to happen. Uh, i got a couple guests coming on today. Joe Pisapia, Fantasy Black Book. He's going to join me in the next segment uh, for the final 40 minutes of the first hour. And Matt Modica of The Athletic. He will join me at 3.20 p.m. Eastern. We'll get you up to date on all the afternoon baseball lineups, injuries. Uh, we kick it off looking at the news. Uh, and Yandy Diaz, the Rays, placed him on the injured list with the left-hand contusion. It happened on Sunday, and they didn't expect him to land on the injured list. So there might have been some people that had him in the lineup this week in week leagues. And that's unfortunate. Uh, we do get these bad breaks sometimes. But he's been off to a really good start this year. You know, one of the things about him that we were concerned about going into the year was, would he get enough loft on the ball? You know, this guy looks jacked. If you ever seen him, man, he's ripped. But, you know, he was always pounding the ball into the ground. Well, uh, nine home runs and 22 RBIs in 41 games so far this year. So he's been a, a nice value for those that were able to pick him up. Uh, the Rays did call up Ryan Yarbrough, uh, who last year, or was it 16 games I think he won in relief. Remember, uh, oftentimes – Coming in after the opener, uh, he is going to start tonight for the Rays. And it's funny because over the weekend, I was debating picking him up. I'm like, okay, with all the injuries now, you got to think he comes up. But they never announced it. And he's been up this year. He has an 8.10 ERA in 16 and two-thirds innings. I think it was just really one bad start where he got hammered. But he had a lot of success last year. So uh, I definitely think, especially in 15-team leagues, he's certainly someone you could pick up pitching for the Rays. And we saw the success He had last year, so uh, we'll see how he performs tonight, and that could either rise or make the price decline based on what he does, but certainly a favorable matchup against the Indians. We mentioned on the show yesterday that Wade Davis, the closer for the Rockies, was going on the entry list with the left oblique, but we kind of weren't sure who was going to close. Well, the Rockies did say that it is going to be Scott Ober. They're saying that. Uh, they don't know how long Davis is going to be out, and they don't consider this to be severe, but you know that could be three weeks, a month, who knows? Uh, either way, Davis will be sidelined uh, for a bit. He was pitching pretty well with a 2.45 ERA, 18 strikeouts, uh, did walk 10, though. So, Oberg is going to be the primary closer. That's what uh, Bud Black, the manager, said. He's got a 1.770 rate, a 1.18 whip. So you're like, all right, those are really good numbers, but only 13 strikeouts and 11 walks and 20 and a third innings this year. So that's definitely a concern for me. That's why I didn't really jump to the conclusion and say, yeah, it's going to be over because his numbers weren't great. So, you know, he he will still be picked up. I'm not spending a lot of money on him. Now we do have a couple of days to see if, if he gets a uh, an opportunity to close and see how he excels, but – uh We'll we'll see uh, if he can get the job done. But I'm not spending a lot. He was in, available in Fab at one of my leaks last night, and uh, I didn't even put in a bid. I really had no one to drop. That's why. I mean, I, I could, everyone could always use a closer. I just really didn't have anyone I want to drop, and I didn't want to drop it for a guy that maybe loses his job this week. We do have a call on the line? Let's go to Anthony in Florida.
3: Hi, uh, Adam. I have a question. I'm uh, I do like one of these like ESPN fantasy games where you can choose your lead, your team, your lineup uh, for each day. Uh, who should I start uh, as my my lineup and my my starting pitcher, like for my outfield and my infield?
2: So wait, you can choose from anything for today?
3: Yeah, you can and, but you have to be at a uh, it gives you a limit on how much money you can spend.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough for me to do on the spot without sitting there looking at it. I don't have the salaries in front of me. I don't know the setup of the, uh, the story. The, the,
3: the, uh, the prices are uh, uh, 5000 to like 20000
2: I get that, but I don't, I don't have all the players in front of me. Like, to ask me to do this on the spot is kind of impossible, you know? You don't just set a good lineup off the top of your head. You got to sit there and look at it. So if you ask me one player... I can help you out, but to construct the whole lineup, I can't do that for you right now. Sorry. Okay,
3: okay. Uh, for a shortstop, I, it's between Carlos Correa and Francisco Lindor.
2: All right, let's see. Correa's going up against Lucas Giolito, who's actually been very good. I'm interested to see how Giolito performs against this lineup. And Yarbrough, uh is going against uh, the Indians today. Uh, I mean, Correa's the better player. Lindor's been on fire. I'm going to go with Lindor. I think uh, I like the matchup a little bit better. Uh, Houston is a big favorite tonight, and this is a test for Giolito, who's had uh, a, for, uh, a good few matchups here. But if I'm picking one, I think I'm going to go Lindor. But both are are excellent plays tonight. But I'm going to go with Lindor. And my and my
3: and my starting pitcher is Clayton Kershaw or Max Bungardner.
2: Well, uh, Clayton Kershaw is not on the mound today, and the Dodgers aren't playing. This is just for today, correct?
3: Oh, oh, no, oh crap! Not. Kershaw, I forgot Um, the pitcher for the Marlins. Who the,
2: uh, the Marlins game already started. The Marlins game already started. It's in the fourth inning, <laughs> so you can't use them. Uh,
3: who do the Yankees play? The Yankees game are already started, play? too. What are the games tonight? Do you know?
2: Like, Ten- there's, the, on, the there's, only, there's only two games in the evening. Rays, Indians, White Sox, Astros. The Twins, Angels play at 4 p.m. Eastern. It wasn't scheduled. It was rained out yesterday. You got to get it together, my man. You got to know the schedule. There's a lot okay. of afternoon baseball today.
3: Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, so, you say Correa and over Correa over Lindor?
2: No, nah, I, like be- I like Lindor better today.
3: Okay. Uh Okay, so the outfield, uh, uh, let's see, Whitesaw, I have... uh, All
2: right, sorry, man, we got to get going. But next time, you know, you got to be a little bit more prepared, all right? Uh, And know the schedule for the day. Uh, Yeah, sorry about that, guys. All right, let's go look at the Rockies again. Uh, Olberg, I'm just concerned about here, man. Uh, No lack of strikeouts. The walks are too high. Now, he hasn't allowed home runs, and remember, he's pitched in Coors Field, too. You can't be walking guys and miss it, not missing bats uh, at Coors Field. So, velocity is good. He's got the fastball slider combo. And, yeah, we're only dealing with a little bit of a sample here this year. But his first pitch strike rate is way down. It's 10% down from last year. He was at 68% last year, 58% this year. He's getting a lot less swings and misses. I'm not convinced. Please, guys, don't blow your budget on this. Because uh, a lot of people do it. You know, they did it with Chris Martin. And, look, I t- I said it at the time, man. I could not believe that week that people were spending double on Chris Martin compared to Steve Ciszek. And what's happened now? Sean Kelly has gotten saves consecutive days. So, Chris Martin is third in that pecking order. I still think Jose LeClerc gets the job back. Sean Kelly has it for now. So, don't make that mistake. And a lot of people do. So, you know, I could be wrong on it. Maybe Oberg comes in there and, and does well. But I'm not spending a ton of money on him. Just not doing it. I don't think it's worth it. Worth it. So uh, just keep that in mind. Not good news here on Giancarlo Stanton. The Yankees outfielder is going to be shut down for 7 to 10 days dealing with a calf injury. Just when people thought they were about to get him back, he began a rehab assignment and apparently got hit by a pitch in BP uh, that hurt his calf and he was getting ready to play the outfield. So just bad luck there with Stanton who you know has had injuries in the past. I mean, I didn't really – dock him for any of the injuries related to the past because they were kind of all over the place. It was broken hammy bone. He was hit in the face. So it was one of those things where it wasn't something chronic, but uh, it's just been uh, rough for Stanton. And, and, you know, you could say, well, he misses time. He played 158 games last year and 159 in 2017. So it's two years in a row where he didn't get hurt much. And he's played at least 145 games in three of the last five years. So I think there's been more players that have been injury prone than a guy like Stanton. Uh, It it just seems like he's hurt all the time, but this is definitely brutal right now. Uh, And uh, his owners are going to have to wait a a few more weeks as uh, the Yankees have been able to get by with all of these injuries. Luis Severino is likely to start throwing soon, according to Aaron Boone. I don't know if that's encouraging, Uh, holding on to Severino on one league cross. My fingers that at least he can come back and provide two to three good months. But uh, not feeling great about it Mets uh getting hammered by injuries once again, and that was the thing. The Mets were fortunate early on that they really didn't get a ton of injuries as most of baseball did, and the Mets are not equipped to deal with a lot of injuries. They just don't have the depth. That was the one thing about the Mets I said for the year before the year. if everything goes right, they could be a very good team contending for the division title. but if a few things go wrong, this team could be under five hundred really quickly. And a lot of things are going wrong for them right now. They're fortunate that they're playing the Nationals. Man, the Nationals. I never thought the Nationals were going to be this bad. I mean, they're 19 and 30 coming into today. I thought this team was going to win the division. Man, I have been dead wrong on them. And they should not be this bad. There's definitely something wrong there. You know, everyone wanted to say it was Bryce Harper, but it's clearly more than that. This team should not be this bad. I'm sorry. They have way more talent to be 11 games under 500. But Jeff McNeil placed on the 10-day injured list with a left hamstring strain. Uh, He's actually been very good for the Mets, hitting well over 300. Not much power, but definitely useful in fantasy, especially in a deeper format. So, uh, J.D. Davis should get more playing time. He should have anyway. I don't know why he wasn't playing third base more with Todd Frazier, but he's in left field today. And I had picked him up in two leagues over the weekend uh, because I missed out on all the superstars. So, Um, he was one of my lower bids and got him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational and started him this week. He had four games. I was a little worried because he had Scherzer and Strasburg, but he did pinch it. Homer on Monday. Uh, I think he has a couple hits today too, so he's going to get a boost in playing time, so that helps him. And, of course, Robinson Cano placed in the 10-day injury list with a left quatrain when he's hustling to first base. Unbelievable. You know, everyone was complaining about Cano not hustling. Here he goes, he hustles and he hurts his quad. So probably gonna be out at least, I don't know, two to four weeks would be my guess. And it's not like he was doing much for your fantasy team, but I'm sure people were holding on to him, hoping that eventually he would return. And, you know, he was hitting the ball hard. You know, a lot of the underlying metrics were pretty good, didn't show that he was done. But Mets get a huge downgrade there, even with Cano struggling a Denny Hecheveria is gonna probably play Second base for them quite a bit. Just a, a huge downgrade. No power. At least Cano was a, somewhat of a threat at the plate, hitting third. But now Hacheverria comes in, and yeah, there's no value there for him. The Yankees put CC Sabathia on the 10-day injury list with left knee inflammation. It's been something that bothered him before the year. It's been bothering when he has pitched, and obviously it turned out to be more of a problem yesterday. So... He's going to get some time off. And, you know, Sabathia was someone in deep mixed leagues that wasn't bad because, you know, he'd go his five innings, get you some strikeouts, and be in a position for a win. But he is going to miss some time. When we return, I'll be joined by Joe Pissapia from the Fantasy Black Book. We'll talk more baseball with him. When we return here, his is full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: Make it rain. The team that has the edge is the team that has the veteran leadership, has
2: the guys that know in this situation how to push the right buttons. Nick Nurse has done a great job. Kawhi's done a great job. They have done a really good job of putting Milwaukee in a situation they have not seen all year. And that's the whole thing, right? We don't know how Milwaukee's going to react because Milwaukee's never been in this situation before.
0: Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the
2: Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Back here, it is full time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Joining me now, it is Joe Pisapia from the Fantasy Black Book. Joe, what is going on?
0: What's up, my brother? Look at us. Holiday weekend. Here we are. I feel like we should have some cocktails, maybe sit by the pool and do the show instead. I think it would be more
2: fun. We might be able to do that. We're not that far from each other. And you said holiday weekend. Do holiday weekends exist in fantasy sports?
0: That's a great question. Um, You know, I I think they do. I think they do around Christmas time usually. So I think you get a little break there uh, in New Year's. I think that's like the stretch for you. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I guess you kind of get days off. That's why I don't like doing daily transaction leagues in baseball, because there's some days where I just want a cocktail and a cigar by the pool, and I really don't want to be bothered with uh, checking a lineup. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, look, I have worked on Christmas before, so Christmas is not always off. If you remember, two years ago, Christmas was week 16, the final game right. of the season, Raiders-Eagles. And I remember I won a fantasy championship. I was on the air at the time. The final wait, it was Eagles-Raiders, and I needed the Eagles for the Raiders to muff the kickoff and for the Eagles to pick it up and score, and that's exactly what happened. And I won a championship <laughs> on that.
0: <laughs> Those are great moments. Everybody has, like I feel like, a story or a great moment of something when they needed something to happen, and then it happened and they lost their mind. I wasn't on air, but I remember winning a fantasy baseball championship one year. Here's a here's a name from the past. Ready for this? I was down in the head-to-head, and I needed a blown save. The team I was playing against had Braden Looper, so I needed oh, a blown boy. save, right? <laughs> and this was Braden Looper back in the Marlins days, before he even got to the Mets. Braden Looper comes out. He proceeds to load the bases. Then so he walks He walks three guys in a row, gives up a grand slam, ball game, all is done. And <laughs> I was just freaking out, man. I couldn't believe it. Like, I was down by 10, and I think I ended up winning by, like, 15 or 16 because his start was his, – uh, his bullpen appearance was so awful. And he blew the save. He got a loss. Gave up, like, four or five earned runs. It was brilliant.
2: Was it against someone that you were good friends with?
0: Um, you know what? I'm trying to remember who it was against now. You know, I don't even remember. I just, it's just the Braden Looper sticking in my head. That's what it was. Good times, man. You got to love that. You got to love those closers. They're always good for uh, once in a while, actually uh, giving instead of taking away championships.
2: Yeah, that is one championship for me I'll never forget. I guess just because it was Christmas and I was on the air and it was against, uh, I don't know if you met this guy. He's a listener of a lot of shows and he came up to New York to do the job. Friend truck. I don't know if you know him. Oh, I know, truck, yeah, sure. Yeah, it was against truck, and I kind of felt bad. at. Oh, I mean, I didn't feel bad because I won, and it was, you know, for money. But he was so devastated. He was on vacation with his family. He's like, I had to go outside. Or I was going to break something and wake up my family. He's like, that was a kick in the nuts. That was brutal. Well, but, yeah, that's, that's it's pretty
0: it – I mean, we've all been there. If you're playing long enough, you're on the bad beats just as much as you are. Those, you know, good luck charm things, I think, sometimes. So it all evens out eventually if you play enough.
2: Well, hopefully it doesn't even help. I mean, you know, you want to finish. <laughs> I hope it doesn't. right, but, point
0: taken, Ronis. You're right. we've, all,
2: we've all been there, though, on both sides of it, and it, it kind of sucks. Uh, you know, the Nationals are playing such bad baseball. Like, I, we, I, you know, the Mets are brutal right now, and I, I can't believe that the Nationals are actually in a worse position than the Mets. And uh, Dave Martinez is just going nuts right now, and we see this when teams struggle. It looks like he's gotten thrown out of the game. The Nationals are down 3-1 to the Mets right now. If they lose this game, they'll be 19-31. and I don't think they're that bad. What is wrong with this team? You know, a lot of people said, oh, it's Bryce Harper. If Bryce Harper's gone. They're even worse. What do you think's wrong with this team? Or was I overrating them?
0: Well, I, I don't think you're overrating them. I think talent-wise... Still, pretty good roster. I mean, you want to compare them to the Mets? I'll take the talent on the roster. Me too. That's the, the thing. I,
2: I would take them over <laughs> the Mets, day.
0: Can, can we do a complete team trade? Can we do that? Because I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> we can do that. But I think I think what you're seeing is a little bit of kind of what happened to the Red Sox a couple years ago, when David Ortiz was out of the lineup. When David Ortiz wasn't there, and before JD Martinez came in. That lineup struggles. you recall. I mean, they had a lot of talent. They still had Mookie Betts in there. They still had a lot of guys. Uh, yeah, Xander Bogars, all those guys were still there. But there's something about that middle-order presence sometimes that has a trickle-down effect. Now, they're very lucky. Look, they got Rendon back finally, which is good. They got Trey Turner back. So I think that, you know, we talk about the Yankees and all their injuries, but the Nationals have had a, a myriad of injuries, too. So I think they just haven't gotten a chance to really click yet. If if you ask me right now, I would be buying as many Nationals as I could. The Sotos, the Rendons, the Turners, everybody on that team I would buy. Because I would imagine that pitching continues. You know, if you've got Scherzer, you've got Strasburg, you've got Corbin, that's a very formidable threesome there. And to me, that lineup is too talented and too athletic to not, you know, get better as the season goes on. But I do think what you're seeing is a combination of The injuries taking their toll in the first two months of the season because Turner missed most of the first two months. Rendon missed a chunk of time. Uh, Soto's had some injuries. So when you add that all together and then on top of that, the lack of that identity in the middle of the order, it's a very important thing. You know, Teams, I think, underrate that. With all the analytics in baseball, I can't believe sometimes that we forget the simple facts of, hey, having that guy in the middle of the order really matters because there's a trickle-down effect to how pitchers deal with the other hitters before and after them. And I think that's something that, even though Harper has sucked to Philadelphia, you look at it, I think they're feeling that, plus the injuries. And it's kind of the perfect storm in the first two months. But I'd be buying Nationals if I could.
2: Yeah, but think about that. You said Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbett. And all those guys have been good. Scherzer hasn't been dominant. He's had a couple of outings where he's allowed home runs, but he's still been very good. With those three pitchers alone, you shouldn't have these extended losing streaks. It's just amazing that so many things have gone on. I mean, they might get swept by the Mets, who
0: have well, Veria yeah.
2: and lagaris and I mean, look at this lineup is so disgusting right now with all the injuries <laughs> that the Mets
0: have. Yeah, it is, and you know the Mets have been really infuriating the last couple of weeks. Whether it's Degrom, who had that lock of a game you should have won against the Marlins at home last week on Friday, or whether you've got, you know, Syndergaard who just can't seem to, you know, get it right. And then, you know, Zach Wheeler pitches well, and he can't buy a win some nights. It's just, you know, between the Milwaukee start and then the start this past week. They, they're just all, you know, this is another team too. I mean, Alonso is kind of becoming that, that presence in a the lineup. They haven't quite hit him in the middle of the order yet, but, you know, if I go back to the last time the Mets were really, really good, I and mean, I don't even mean that 2015 run, I mean that run where they were really a really legitimate contender for a couple straight years. They had a middle of the order presence. His name was Carlos Delgado, and a lot of people can say what they want about Delgado. That was a bat you had to be very afraid of and to be very careful of how you pitch to him. And I think that kind of presence is why you see certain lineups like Boston is such a formidable lineup. Like you see some like Houston with all those bats they have in the the middle of that order there between Bregman and Correa and those guys. I mean, those kind of hitters are transcendent. And when you have to deal with them four times in a game, it really does have an impact on how the game flows out. But don't you think the Nats really, when you look at it, are the perfect buy-low opportunity across the board? Because there's kind of like a negative connotation because of the losses. But from a fantasy perspective, not they've been that bad. It's just they haven't all clicked on the right time frame in terms of being healthy and productive.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know who you can buy low on, though. Like, Anthony Rendon's numbers are great. He's been phenomenal. Soto is 3-for-3 three three with a walk today. Turner... I think you
0: could have bought low on Soto like a week before. ago.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe not now. Turner, I don't know if you can buy low because everyone realizes the value of the speed. I mean, Dozier's a guy you could buy low on, but I don't know if you want to. You know, some people might mm-hmm. think he, he's done. See,
0: uh, I would argue that Turner actually might be a bit... Uh, you might be able to pry away a trade turner. I understand the speed, and I, I get all that, but, you know, it's so many seasons now where this guy's missing chunks of the season, and I think it's very frustrating for certain owners. And if there's somebody who's owned him multiple times, I think some of that starts to creep into your psyche a little bit.
2: You know, you play in a lot of head-to-head leagues and points leagues. I Do am. you think, is it different, uh, the trading mentality there? Because, you know, record is so important, and you talk about a guy like Turner. So maybe the team who has Turner is not doing well and frustrated and maybe it's easier to pry away. Is there a different mentality or psyche to trade? Well, there in, is. Think? I I think so. Well, because
0: what you're looking at is very much replacement value of saying, okay, well, what's the scoring like in this league, you know, in terms of what's valuable and how much is a stolen base compared to other things. And yeah, so every league is kind of unique in that sense, pretty much, you know, they kind of stay with like two points for a stolen base, or something like that. But, you know, Typically, those leagues value pitching so much. And if you've had a team that's really had Trey Turner, who probably went in the first couple rounds of the draft, or even in a points league, probably went no later than a second round, and then they had pitching injuries, there's a real opportunity, I think, in some of those leagues to buy on a guy like Turner who could be very productive. He doesn't necessarily, you know, I'm not a home run hitter per se, but a guy going to hit some bombs too. But overall, just kind of getting points and, and, you know, hitting leadoff and being a guy that could be very productive, but in those kind of leagues, typically you're looking for the big-time pitchers. And the big-time pitchers this year have been either injured, spotty, or underwhelming for a, a good chunk. And then you've got other guys who have kind of stepped into that void, guys like Hyunjin Ryu who, and Chris Paddock and guys like that who have stepped up and become fantasy aces and are carrying those kind of rosters. So it's funny. The teams this year, I think, in all fantasy baseball that did not pay for elite pitching and drafted smartly in the Berrios and guys like that, I think those are some of the teams probably that are probably winning most leagues right now.
2: You bring up Ryu, and he has just been absolutely dominant. I think it's 31 consecutive scoreless innings now, and we all know the deal with him. He's not going to pitch 150 innings, or in all likelihood he won't. We saw him miss time last year. He's already been on the injured list this year and missed the minimum 10 days is that a guy, if you have right now, you look to see what you get and sell? Or do you just enjoy it and say, look, I drafted him in the middle rounds. I knew I was only getting 120 innings because I have him in a couple leagues. One is, uh, is not a trading league. Uh, another one is. But I feel like I just want to hold on to him. Is that the wrong oh, mentality I would hold on to have? To him. Right? No, thinking-
0: I would hold on to him too because because of what the value is. So in terms of – your, it's already such a huge bonus what he's giving you. He's giving you Kurt Schilling-like production. I mean, there's like Greg Maddox, Kurt Schilling – you know, 15 to one strikeout walk ratio kind of thing he's got rocking right now is crazy. So I think when you're looking at that, you say, look, uh, this has been such a bonus, no matter how many innings I get, if I get 120, if I get 150, whatever I get, I'm just happy. I'm getting them, especially in any sort of season long roto and head to head. You can make the argument. Oh, I'm a little concerned because at some point it's going to bottom out. But right now I think you just got to be happy. You've got a pitcher going out there every fifth day and being outstanding so consistently. And I think, that's what's infuriating. I mean, look at all the teams. Look at Trevor Bauer. Look at even Carrasco. Look at some of the guys that everybody thought were locks this year. And there's been a lot of inconsistency. Blake Snell's been very good. Uh, even Garrett Cole, who's, you know, had some great runs this season. He's had some inconsistencies. It's been few and far between. Chris Sale started off poorly. It, it's really been, a, I think, a very challenging year from the pitching perspective, and this was a year where I think more than ever, I saw people reaching in the first couple rounds to get an ace because they felt like it was a necessary thing. And I think more often than not, it's probably burned a lot
2: of teams. Do you think that we can, I mean, we have to evaluate based on what's happened, but do you think that could change by the end of the year? Do you think a lot of these aces will bounce back? The Aranolas, Trevor Bauer, even Garrett Coles, the over four, do you think... That they bounce back and what's been the issue, or you think it's the the baseball? Is it more home runs? Is it different with? Well, Aaron Nola
0: is a funny one because Aaron Nola, if you look, like he's had some rough schedule patches early on, where, where you know, like some of the some of the competition, you know, has been on the higher level. I, I think guys like Nola and Cole, I believe in those guys. Um, You know, the Indians guys for me are always kind of up and down. I I, I never wholly bought into Trevor Bauer, even though the strikeouts are there and. I, I, I think it all depends on if you get guys like Clevenger back, and if you get guys like Severino back, and they have good second halves, that that would change my tune. But right now, if you ask me to draft right now, I would probably go a couple position players deep before I would take a pitcher, just because I feel like I could I could make do with bulk and you know quality bulk, maybe lesser quality, you know, than the high end number ones. Maybe a staff full of number twos, and I can pretty much still compete. And at the same time, my offense would be strong enough in roto to carry me. If it was trouble, is in points leagues where pitching kind of wins out. That's where it's a little bit trickier because you want those aces, you want those two start weeks, you want to be dominant there. And uh, it's it's certainly been a
2: challenge to say the least this year. Definitely has talking to Joe Pisapia, the fantasy black book, and it seems like you're good luck because as we are talking, the Mets have made a move. They've claimed someone off waivers to help boost this anemic offense. Aaron Altair was claimed off waivers from the Giants for the yes, Mets.
0: I did. I just saw that. And uh, look, I mean, the you can always add guys you never know when you pick a, a guy off a team, uh, you know, and what can come in the right situation with the right coaches and somebody sees something. He's he showed some flashes before, but you know, looking at the Mets, I, I always see the same thing with this roster. It's it's a roster that does have some good young talent with McNeil and Alonzo. I think you like them a lot. I think you like. Diaz at the back end you have the pitchers I I think you know it's it's this Frazier Lowry and those kind of signings and the money in a guy like Cespedes where it's kind of hurts you and the anticipating of the market a couple years ago should have been hey Harper Trout I mean Trout ended up signing but you know Harper um you know Arenado all those guys might have potentially been on the market and I think it's kind of funny that they decided no you know we're not even going to pretend to get involved in those things. Now, some of them never make it to market. That's true. But I guess it goes to show you too how crucial scouting is. And when you blow draft picks in the Mets, have had a lot of early ones. Dominic Smith, I think, was a huge bust of a draft pick. I, I said it at the time. Uh Shakini was another guy that was a first-round pick for them that I thought was a terrible pick when they made that selection there. So they've blown a lot of those. And I think that's what you're seeing is in baseball nowadays, if you don't have those homegrown guys, it's very difficult to get them off free agency now because guys are getting extended guys are getting, you're seeing all, I mean, all these deals that we saw this off season with players being locked up for five, six, seven, eight years, it's craziness. So basically you are absolutely drawn into the fact you have to build within now.
2: Yes, the only way that the Mets can have success is if they're going to operate with this limited payroll, acting like they're not in New York, they are going to need a strong front office like Tampa Bay that doesn't have the resources but is able to find these guys undervalued. That's the only way. They're going to have to go out and find a Max Muncy for cheap, find a Luke Voigt for cheap. They have not been able to do that.
0: No, no, they haven't. And and they're not the only one either. I mean, there's plenty of organizations that haven't done that. I mean, look at Baltimore. That's another organization, too, that actually is a smaller market organization. And they have struggled. You look at what's in the pipeline there. It is not a great pipeline. They've got a couple decent players. But it's it, you know San Diego is a much more exciting farm system, and there's a lot of other exciting farm systems out there, too. But it, it just blows my mind, too, when you have the kind of money to – put into scouting and put into player development how you blow first-round picks consistently and how it's going to come back to haunt you in this day and age in baseball. The, the the day and age where you can make up your deficit in the draft by just signing free agents in their prime and throwing a lot of money at the problem, it's kind of going away because players are saying, hey, I'll, I'll take a little less money for a little bit more of a guarantee sooner. God forbid I get hurt. God forbid I don't perform. And I don't blame them. I would take the money too. How about you? When, when scout offered you guaranteed money, you took it, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got A, a huge <laughs> signing bonus, man. Like I'm, I was I'm gonna set, say,
0: what was that bonus
2: like? Set for life, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but look, you know, it's it, this is this is what we're at, and I think the organizations that realize this are the ones that are going to be successful. You saw the Cubs kind of ahead of the game a couple years ago, building with position players instead of pitchers, and then going out and getting and acquiring via trade or free agency veteran pitchers, and that's kind of worked out for them as their model. Um, you know, Even the Yankees, to a certain extent, they've, they've really turned things over, and they were able to get rid of a lot of assets and turn them into young players, and that's why they've been a playoff contender for the last couple years.
2: Yeah, and then they get a guy like Ursula who's terrible elsewhere, and now is a superstar. Unbelievable. Only the Yankees. Yeah. lot,
0: well, lot And then you got Stanton, too,
2: you know? Yeah. Uh, and they throw a lot of money at him, but, you know. Lots more with Joe Pisapia ahead here on Full-Time Fantasy.
1: If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call one 800 carmats WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America.
3: Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World number 1. Me personally? I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your
0: story? Go to gamefacegrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. The morning after. There is no more 212, 160-pound shortstop anymore, bro. Like, it hits 212. Like, or, like, the you know what I mean? Like, the game is different. Everybody hits 21 home runs now.
2: Everybody's big.
0: It's different, Joe, now. It's a different, big- like, did the Boston Red Sox win because of hustle? Last year, they win because Mookie Betts is better than everybody. And J.D. Martinez hit a million home runs. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers.
2: Back here at his full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Do you want two risk-free wagers up to $1,000? Go to pointsbet.com grid and open up a PointsBet sports wagering account. Enter the promo code GRID and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $1,000. In addition to traditional betting, PointsBet also offers its own betting concept where the customers are rewarded by how much they win their bet. For example, if you bet the Patriots minus three and they cover the spread by seven points, you'll receive seven times your stake. That's pointsbet.com grid. Enter promo grid and get your two risk-free bets up to $1,000 today. I'm joined by Joe Pisapia from the Fantasy Black Book. You'll also find him at Fantrax and Line Star. He's just all over the place these days. Right, Joe?
0: That's right. I'm like a fungus, man. You just can't get rid of me.
2: <laughs> That's good sometimes. In this case, I guess it's good for fantasy. If it's a real fungus, it, it could is. be a problem there. It could be a problem. You got to get some sort of weird spray or something like that. Or
0: uh, so I've been told, I don't know, but yeah, I'm very lucky. I have a uh, black book brand has continued to grow. And uh, we got the new football book coming out June 1st. Officially, we might have a soft opening a couple of days ahead of that, but we're in the final edits for that right now. So uh, I know it's uh, not even June yet, but you know, football kind of never sleeps nowadays and, uh, very excited about that product. I definitely think it's the best one we've ever produced, and I'm uh, hoping we can hit number one again in football books. That was kind of crazy last year, so we're uh, excited for that to start.
2: Yeah, it really does sleep I mean, We have a ton of fantasy football content up already. We got our drafts at playffwc.com underway, so before you know it, it just sneaks up on you. I know a lot of people say, oh, it's still May and it's early, but you know, I think you need to get prepared earlier and earlier nowadays uh, with the competition that's out there.
0: Well, especially with the competition and with best ball being such a big thing nowadays and uh, there's a lot of early drafting. I did a draft last week already for a Superflex uh, piece that John Lobb was writing, and um, it's fun. It's, it's fun to get into it already, and you know you always have those post-NFL draft, fantasy drafts that happen too where people start to overrate some of the younger players a little bit, and then you know then we get to trading camp and we see who's really going to play and who's not, and, and that starts to open up a little bit. But it, I definitely feel like, the football coverage where you know maybe back in the day people started looking at it in August, and then it became kind of July 4th was the unofficial holiday to start fantasy football prep. I feel like now it's pretty much Memorial Day weekend. After Memorial Day weekend, I feel like fantasy football really kind of comes out of the woodwork, and people are ready to start talking about it, ready to start reading about it, and ready to start preparing for their drafts and stuff.
2: Uh, let's get back to baseball, and uh, where did you stand on Bryce Harper before the year, and how do you look at him now? I mean, he's hitting two thirty five. We always knew that the average was always uh, volatile. You know, he's hit over three hundred a couple times. He's hit in the .240s, uh, nine homers, 31 RBIs. You know, okay, but, you know, people had such high expectations for Harper, especially going to Philadelphia in that park. So where were you before the year? Was he someone you were looking to draft and? Where do you stand now, having seen him here for almost two months?
0: Well, I always said the long-term move for him to uh, Philadelphia was a good one. I like that. As a long-term asset, I thought Bryce Harper going to the Phillies was a great idea because it is a whole unfavorable ballpark for him, and that would be a positive. I think you're seeing the classic guy signing a huge contract in the first year is a disappointment because he's putting too much pressure on himself and every single, you know, little failure gets magnified by a, a million because of all the millions someone's making. And I think that'll kind of write itself in the second half of the season. But I, I was I out on him everywhere. I don't own, I own Bryce Harper in one spot tout, which of all places just because it was an auction became a little cheaper. So I said, eh, it was a points league. I really didn't care about batting average. I didn't care about anything else. I just cared about, you know, was this guy going to hit bombs and show up? And I do think he will eventually, but it's not surprising to me at all. And I think this is what happens, too. What's funny, because the baseball black book comes out in usually January 1st or somewhere around there. And so many people say, well, are you going to update it when Harper signs? Are you going to update it when well, I said to myself, no. I said, Harper's Harper. The only thing I'm going to tell you, and I wrote it in the player profile, I said, when he signs, what's going to happen is He's going to probably struggle in the first half of the season like we've seen the Carlos Beltrans, and the many big free agent signings before that where you go to the big big baseball city and people get excited about it, and then all that pressure kind of seeps in. And I think that Harper would be a good buy low right now. I I certainly would take him in redraft leagues going forward because I do think he's too much of a talent, and that team is pretty good. And the other thing people forgot about, you know, Adam is – Think about all the pieces they added. They added McCutcheon, they added Segura, they added Harper. It's a lot of new pieces. And I think sometimes it takes a long time for those pieces to kind of gel and everybody personality-wise and everybody in the clubhouse and all that stuff, and it does filter onto the field. And I think that's why you see teams like the Astros play so well is because they're so familiar with each other because they've come up together through the system uh, for the most part. And then you get teams that are kind of free agent or cherry-picked or traded and everybody comes together and they sound really good in theory. It takes a little while for everything to kind of click, and I do think Harper will be better eventually. I'm not surprised whatsoever by this slow start at all.
2: When you go to a new company and you have to work with fantasy talent, how long does it take you to adjust working with them?
0: Me, day one. I'm an all-star. Oh, okay.
2: I want. I want. <laughs> so people... No, so but
0: you so... know what? Let me tell you that that's it's it's a really good analogy, actually. I think any company who who's comfortable day one in the company they're working for, because everybody's got different computer systems, or everybody has a different uh, protocol for you have to follow for this and that, or when the email blast goes out, you got to do this and this, or make sure on social media you post this when this happens. And there's other things that it, it takes a while to get comfortable. Yeah, baseball is baseball, but different organizations run differently. I think you and I as Mets fans can attest to that. So I don't think that you know when you're used to. One thing, and it changes a little bit, that you know, it's a, it's a new place to live, it's a new environment, it's a new everything, and with it comes the pressure. The pressure of being the guy, not that he wasn't the guy before, but now he's the guy getting paid like the guy. And I think that's the thing that always, I think, no matter how good you are, it's hard not to feel an extra pressure.
2: If there's good-looking girls there, I'm comfortable really quickly. Like, I just feel a comfortable yeah. level.
0: Well, that certainly helps.
2: <laughs> I, think, I think you could say that. Good thing there's uh, no HR here. I don't think so, but whatever. Uh, to Joe, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> this, uh, it's amazing. I went, So I, I used to work at Newsday years back, and we used to get a little wild in the office. And I was talking to my friend. I'm like, could you imagine the stuff we did then in today's era? I don't think we might have lasted that long. It's amazing how now. things have changed, right, from now to, like, even five, six years ago?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and look, that's, that's, and, and it's good that things are changing, uh, because I think that there's a whole other sect of people that, you know, uh, you know, just because people are comfortable in one thing doesn't mean everybody should be comfortable. But, you know, going back to Harper, too, just looking at the stats right now as we're talking, I mean, nine whole months, 31 RBI, you know, we're, we're 50 games into the season. It's not dreadful. Uh, I know he's only hitting 235, but the, the OBP is, You know, in the high 360 range, the OPS is an 824. He's had, you know, comparable kind of runs like this before. I I think that if if, if I asked you, does he finish with 30 home runs, what do you say? I say yes.
2: Yes, yeah.
0: So if you think he's going to finish with 30 home runs, then you've got 21 left. (laughs) So why not go after him now?
2: And I think that's how people have to look at it now, too. I know there's a lot of people doing these uh, second drafts uh, for the NFBC this weekend. And, you know, you'll see it reflected. You, you have to look and say, look, some of these guys are struggling and they're going to get back to their career norms. Now, the hard part is trying to figure out, OK, which of these guys are maybe not going to get back, whether it's age related skills, deterioration, whatever it is. But we all know we've seen look at Matt Carpenter last year. People want to know part of him. Look how he finished.
0: Yeah, well, oh, he was uh, I want to no know part of him and he was brilliant and I give a tip my hat to him if I were wearing a hat which I'm not but metaphorically I'll tip my hat to him but I I think when you got a 26 year old talent like Bryce Harper you buy you buy you buy you buy everywhere because when all's said and done he's still walking you know I, the problem is he's striking out too much and I think when you look at it he's leading the national league in strikeouts and that to me is exactly indicative of what I'm talking about a guy who's pressing a guy who's trying to do too much and one hot streak will cure everything. And look, Philly's a tougher town, too. They're going to boo him, and he's, he's taking it well. He's taking it the right way. When they boo him, he's like, yeah, I deserve to be booed. And that's why I personally like Bryce Harper. But if I had my pick, I'd absolutely be buying, not selling all over on Bryce Harper.
2: Joined by Joe Pisapia, the Fantasy Black Book. You could also find him on Fantrax and Line Star. Would you be buying low on Jose Ramirez right now?
3: That's a
0: trickier one. I, You know, I kind of got spooked by Brad Ziegler on that because when we covered NFBC, he and I did all the drafts that day for Fantasy Network, and he mentioned to me something that he saw in Ramirez that he said, you know, he he can't hit this certain pitch in a certain way, and if you just keep pounding that, pounding it, he's going to struggle, and I wouldn't touch him. And I said, okay, and I knew he had a bad second half, and I was thinking, okay, well, maybe that's kind of what they found out, and then it kind (laughs) of pulled itself over, into 2019, and I don't think I'd be buying right now. And it's frustrating until you see him right that ship and overcome his difficulty hitting sliders and hitting breaking pitches and things like that, that I think that's something that I would be a little bit more sketch about. Plus, I'm not 100% sold on that lineup. Why? Because Edwin Encarnacion isn't there, which kind of takes us to full circle in today's conversation, right? Because when you take that kind of guy, like Encarnacion out of the middle of the order, Carlos Santana is a nice hitter. He is not Encarnacion. He's not a game-breaker, the way that guy was. And I think even though he was older, when when you take that guy out of the lineup, it has a trickle-down effect, and I think you're seeing it this year. And we'll see if guys like you know Oscar Mercado can step in there and and contribute. But Ramirez, I think, is troubling, to say the least. And I think you're kind of stuck with him
2: right now. Carlos Gomez just hit a three-run homer in the bottom of the eighth to give the Mets a 6-4 lead. And he's pretty excited about it. Well, I mean, we should all be excited. Carlos Gomez. Ah uh, yes. Carlos Gomez traded for Johan Santana. Yes. Remember? And
0: nobody wanted to do that, you know?
2: And now, <laughs> and now now he's the savior for the Mets. Man, then that's the big you know what? We talked about the national before. Their biggest issue has been the bullpen. Their bullpen has yeah. been absolutely horrendous this year.
0: Well, bullpen's across the board, I think. Yes. Way down generally I, speaking. You it's know, true. I mean you're it's it's not a good look, and and I said this, if you're in fantasy leagues where you have to play mandatory RP slots, I think it's very wise to go to the top of the key and pay for the Edwin Diaz's or the Chapman's or the Jants or the guys who you know are just going to be there. For better or worse, they're going to have those jobs and be there. But outside of that, man, I and I said it on the Black Book show actually yesterday on the podcast, I said, you know, I think the worst thing you can do, and it got even worse this year, was... Overpay for the mid-range of closer, and I think if you did that this year, you missed out on so much offensive talent, so much starting pitching depth that you really needed, and there's been so much turnover in these bullpens. I mean, the clerks of the world, the Tampa situation. I mean, you can go on and on and on. I mean, it's just not worth it right now. And this is and this is always my problem with Roto, which is why are saves worth as much as a win? And they are because it's a category, and they're all equal categories. And why are we why are we valuing something that is one inning of three outs as much as a guy who has to go five innings and to get, you know, 20-something outs. It just doesn't make much sense to me at all. But I think this is another thing we have to kind of reevaluate and say, can we fantasy better? And that's why I like points leagues, because you do is you, you make a save worth four and a win worth seven or eight, and all of a sudden, then it makes a lot more sense. And you don't have to worry about closer screwing your team as much.
2: I know points leagues – are gaining popularity. I mean, obviously, it's not popular in the industry. So maybe... No, it's not. May, maybe because we play so many Roto Leagues, we don't realize how many people are playing points leagues because we're well, all I, Roto. Well,
0: the, the biggest growing segment has always been has been points leagues the last couple of years. In fact, on CBS, I want to say that almost half of their leagues now are points leagues, which is a stunning number when you think about it. And I think part of that is the DFS, too. People who came to fantasy sports over the last few years or came over from fantasy football, Roto makes no sense to them. (laughs) They don't understand it. And I always came up playing points. So uh, I was something that I always wrote about. And I think part of the the boom of the black book series was that I did talk so much about points leagues and how that, you know, I think there's that growing segment out there of people who play those kind of formats. And I think they're looking at it and baseball is evolving into a more specialized game. So why not specialize the statistics and what they're worth and have it mirror the game a little bit better and, and you have a better experience. I think a lot of people get frustrated with season long because they get, you know, kind of roped into players. They're roped into things and they're just playing those waiting game. And baseball is becoming less and less of a waiting game. You're seeing openers, you know, you're seeing uh specialization across the board. You're seeing bullpens by committee. You know, it is not a, a it is not the marathon. It used to be, it's almost like 162 sprints.
2: I think, the reason why fantasy baseball is not as popular, or maybe is losing popularity, is because people are becoming lazier and lazier in the yes. younger generation. And I and I'm not knocking people. Those youth. damn kids. It's no. It's the it's the attention spans. You know, people, like the, it is it's, the six, it's a six month season. People don't like fantasy football. You, you set your lineup once or twice a week. You run waivers. Well,
0: once. Well, fantasy football is a six-month season too, but it's yeah, but it's it's it only takes your attention once a week, right? Here's
2: here's the thing with fantasy baseball. At least you cannot go three days in a row without looking at box scores because then you're you're lost. You have so much catching up to do. Oh, this guy got injured. This guy, it's it's a lot of work, and people don't want to put in the work. I honestly believe that's the problem.
0: I think they don't want to put in the work. I also think to a certain extent they're frustrated with when they do put in the work. I think this 10-day deal the last couple of years has really been a terrible – people have abused it, misused it, and you know I think there's a general malaise and a, and a general feeling where people look at it and go, these guys are soft. And that's not always the case, but they're protecting million-dollar investments, these organizations, so I think that's where I, – I think people who do want to make the investment, they're frustrated because they can't keep a team on the field, and I think that is – understandable that frustration. And I'm, I'm equally frustrated as they are. And I think it's discouraging to a certain extent too, which is why I like, I don't want to call them gimmicks, but I like the concept. Like like Jake Seely has that league where, you know, every 50 games you redraft. I think that's fun. And then there's like a grand champion at the end. And then three champions for each of the, the thirds of the season you're doing in my points league, it's an all play. So if you have a great week, you get rewarded, you know, in the 16 teams, if you're playing, you know, 15 other teams, Maybe you go 13-2 and two that week. That's great. You know, if you might not be the highest point getter, but if you're the second or third highest of the week, you're not going to get screwed just because you play the best team in the league. And I think opening our minds up to different formats that will help. Uh, look, no, nothing's going to help the fact that it's a long season, but I think there's ways to make the impact of what the game is today a little bit more represented in fantasy and a little bit more user-friendly to the people who want to play.
2: Yeah, and I think that we could have a, a long discussion, I think, in the offseason and come up with ideas because I know it's kind of been a topic lately. And, you know, I love the game of baseball and I love fantasy baseball, so I want to keep it alive. I don't want it to be on the decline. And uh, we, I guess we have to figure out ways to do it, and uh, those are definitely some suggestions there. So I think down the road we can maybe have a long show about this. Sounds good to me. Hey, baby, let's do it. All right, so let people know where they can find you, Joe. All right. Well,
0: you can find me on the Twitter machine at Joe 17 uh, new Fantasy Football Black Book will be out uh, June 1st. That's uh, got myself. It's got uh, Jake Seeley, Matt Franciscovich, Scott Bogman, Nate Hamilton, Gary Davenport, Chris Meany, Tim Heaney, uh, Meany Miney Mo. It's got everybody in it. Derek Brown's in it. Uh, some great, great stuff there. If you're playing Dynasty, if you're playing Redraft, it's all in there. Uh, also, check out the Fantasy Football, I'm uh, sorry, the Fantasy Black Book podcast. Uh, on iTunes and everywhere you can listen to two pods and uh, the Star app DFS show as well and all my content at Fantrax HQ. Boy, that's a lot of places. I'm tired. I'm going to go take a nap.
2: Yeah, get a nap, Joe, all right? Good talking right, you, man. Seriously. We'll talk again soon. Always a pleasure, brother. Enjoy the holiday. You too, man. All right, when we return one more hour ahead, we'll have Matt Modica in live scoring from the action this afternoon here on Full-Time Fantasy.